buckle up and get ready for the journey as we navigate the ongoing relationship between belief and life, theology and doxology, or as we like to say, theodox. Welcome to the Theodox Podcast. Welcome back to the Theodox Podcast. We're your hosts, Gracie and Joshua. Hello, hello. And we're privileged tonight to welcome back Matt Davis. I have a question maybe for both of you. Whoever uh, wants to okay. chime in. All right. All right. What is the most quoted movie in your household? The Lego movie. Um, yeah. The Lego movie. Like what quote? Name one. Uh, or say one. Oh, I guess I'm man, you're putting me on the spot here. Yeah, of course. I'm Batman. <laughs> I don't know what context I would use that in. Oh, first try is a is oh yeah, a, that's pretty yeah. a very quoted yeah. one. Do y'all even watch movies, Matt? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know yeah. if that was like allowed. Oh yeah. No, I would say probably. Man, remember the Titans? Oh. Um, that one gets quoted a good bit. They're more mature than we are. I think so. Maybe yeah. maybe some Tangled. Tangled is oh, a okay. big favorite one. in our yeah. family. That's my favorite Disney princess, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Good. Well, very good. I have no idea. I have about four or five that I think would be on our list. Uh, the Princess Bride is surely on yeah, there. Princess yeah, Princess Bride. My name is Inigo Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the rest of the episode, we should just be like uh-huh. spitting quotes from all these yeah. movies. Yeah. Well, let's get rolling. Tonight, we are going to talk about false teaching. And just to clarify, if, if you're into podcasts that talk about false teaching and they're identifying false teachers and ministries and musicians and all those things, then uh, I would, I guess, maybe be sad to say that's not what this is. Yeah. <laughs> um, we want to discuss false teaching in a way to where we hope to give everyone information about what some different types of false teachings are, maybe how to identify them, what some of the dangers in them are. And so that's really where we're going to go. Uh, even if you were looking for a different type of podcast on the, on false teaching, I hope you'll hang around and hopefully something here will be beneficial to you. Yeah. So with that being said, let's go ahead and start by discussing how each of us is are naturally prone to believe wrongly. Um, and as a result, that the way we think, what we speak, how what we post on social media or teach to others, how we are prone to do that wrongly. Yeah, the, yeah. it's it's necessary because obviously the the whole point behind our podcast is that we begin with what we believe and what Scripture says. So if we're going to go along with that, then obviously you know thinking firstly the first thing that came to my mind with this was Matthew seven the first five verses, um, which just to read verses three through five, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So I think firstly, yeah, the biblical thing to do is for us to talk about us individually, us personally, but as well as us as a culture. Yeah. How do we? So let's look at our own logs real quick, I guess. And what are some reasons each of us are prone to believe wrongly? I think there are probably two primary ones for me. Um, One is kind of in the past that I'm still sorting through. And then one is more recent. The one that's in the past is, and I think we're all 
um, susceptible to this and in a good way it's just the way that we were raised our background our experiences mm -hmm. growing up and if we grew up in the church we're going to bring those experiences into whatever stage of life that we're in and that's kind of the 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 first lens that we see the world through yeah and so to have those lens fine-tuned by the scripture is an important thing so I, I feel those effects every day just some legalism that i battled in my past that I tell people that I feel like I'm going to be recovering from that for the rest of my life. Just those thought processes. Yeah. Then for me, another one is um, really just wanting to fit in. If you're on social media in any way, things just kind of run in packs and mm -hmm. even theological discussions. And you don't want to be seen as the weird one or the unreasonable one. So it's easy to kind of... Mm -hmm not run first to the scripture but to what might allow you to fit in even with people who are good bible believers yeah yeah i mean our as scripture also says the heart is deceitfully wicked and sick you know who can who can know it or trust it and uh so naturally we have those right we we're tainted mm. we have our own desires and we sort of impose those on scripture and we had a pastor um several years ago who said this regularly that our tendency is to take scripture and we have this filter that's made up of life experiences, um, presuppositions, mm -hmm. um, culture around us. And we take scripture and we force it through that filter. And then whatever's left, mm. we believe, whereas it actually should be the other way around where the scripture is the filter and we take all of our experiences, everything and shove those through scripture and then whatever's left, that's what we should hold. And so, yeah, for all of us, uh, and I agree, we, I come from a background where, you know, it was, there are plenty of things my wife and I talk about that, that were good. God was gracious, you know, things that were helpful, obviously. And, um, and yet there are things that glitch even to this day. Um, and so those, those experiences um, certainly do affect yeah. us. I mean, because we're all drawn to relying on ourselves, right? So if we're relying on ourselves, obviously we're going to believe wrongly a lot of times because we're looking to ourselves and what we think, what we feel. We also are just finite beings. Like we can't understand yeah. fully and we won't. Not to say that we shouldn't try to understand mm -hmm. um, or that we shouldn't go to scripture because obviously we should, but ultimately we are finite beings and can only understand what God has allowed. So I, I think a good point on that is that that helps us see that we're never going to understand everything rightly. So regardless of how far we have come or we think we've come, there are still things that are we believe that are false. There, there needs to be really some humility when we talk about this and just a, a humility to look back and see where we were wrong in the past yeah. mm -hmm. and realize I could be wrong on something here. So there are going to be closed hand issues, things that we're not going to let go of. And then some open handed issues that, um, you know, we're going to say, Lord, we want our minds changed on these. We're persuadable on these. I'm honestly suspicious of someone who has every ounce of doctrine worked out <laughs> and, and just is absolutely confident yeah. with no questions yeah. in it. And I don't, I don't want to be that. Yeah. This should be, I guess, an encouragement or try to encourage others and ourselves to not just believe a teacher or a pastor or even us at face value and what mm -hmm. we're saying, obviously. 
take it to scripture, take any teaching to scripture, like you said earlier, filtering it through, um, but just not taking whatever you hear at face value, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's interesting. The, so much is talked about in our culture of unity and seeking unity and peace and wanting universal peace. And a lot of times um, truth is actually um, sacrificed in the name of unity. And so it doesn't take too much reading in Scripture to come across um, conflicts because there are commands to stand up for the truth. And so, I mean, it's with that. I mean, Paul wrote the, basically the whole letter to the Galatians yeah. um, to confront their slipping into false teaching. And um, so it's there isn't a blanket uh, call for unity that is going to throw truth on the altar of sacrifice. And um, so there's this wrestling of we want to, as you know, we want to contend for the faith, and yet we want to be gracious. And so that's going to be how we battle this out. Um, so there are several points we, we're going to make on false teaching. I want us to discuss a few kind of categories, I guess. Mm-hmm. So let's just start with error and heresy. And let's maybe just talk about what are some of the differences between heresy and error. So would you mind just kind of tell us what heresy is, just yeah. to start with? So uh, heresy, my understanding of it is it's somebody who's left orthodox teaching. Orthodox means uh, straight thinking, right thinking, as far as the teaching of Scripture is concerned. So we're going to go to some fundamentals that are going to let us know, all right, what is the historic Christian teaching that's in line with the Scripture? the virgin birth of Jesus, uh, miracles, the inspiration of the scripture, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the deity of Christ, things yeah. like that. Trinity. The, the Trinity, yeah. So when you begin to leave those or question those, then you're moving into heresy at that point, which would be distinguished, I'm assuming we'll talk about it in a minute, which would be distinguished from error or just even false teaching, unintentional or intentional. Yeah. Yeah, would it, do you think it'd be safe to say that anything that's spoken directly in opposition to truth of Scripture would be in that category of heresy? Uh, yes. I mean, if it's intentionally spoken against Scripture contrary to it, right. then that is not right thinking. We're not talking about a disagreement at this point over the mode of baptism right, right. or even like the Lord's Supper, the presence of the Lord and the Lord's Supper, whether he's not, whether it's a memorial, we're talking about we're going directly against Scripture or we're undermining these core Orthodox beliefs. Yeah. And heresy demands separation because it is going against God's decrees and those foundational truths, whereas error, on the other hand, not that it's, it's kind of teetering on that line, but not all error is heresy. Yeah. Like I would say pedo Baptist are wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you go ahead and say that then. <laughs> well, and this is funny, obviously. Um, we, we have to be convinced of what we believe. I mean, there is, what yeah. is conviction if it's yeah. not being convinced? And so we have our convictions. And so even on the things that you mentioned, we have the open and closed hand things. Um, yeah, we are to believe that, well, from everything that I see, I believe this is right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we're jerks about it. It just means that's yeah. where I'm convinced. Mm-hmm. And so we would say, and a Pado Baptist would say of a Credo Baptist, I think you're wrong. Yeah. And so we can say those are, we would, I guess we would say, I think that's an error. Yeah. 
I, I would say uh, somebody taught me once, and I've seen this different places, just uh, they call it theological triage. And it's like, what is a primary issue? What's yeah. needed for salvation to be an Orthodox Christian? Salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. Um, and then under that, you're going to have secondary issues, which is why we're probably going to gather in different churches because we have different views on these. I can affirm someone as a believer and love them as a believer. I might just not be able to do church with yeah. them every week. Heresy is going to be that thing that is going to call into question, is this person even a believer? I mean, the, the issue that they believe that is wrong is going to go to the nature of the gospel itself or the nature of God itself. And I, I, I don't know whether I can affirm that that's a, a Christian there because right. it's so far off the mark. Right. You know, a, a sign of maturity is a willingness to have our minds changed by scripture. Yeah. And if we never change our minds on anything our entire life, then I wonder who's sitting in judgment of scripture. Scripture's actually sitting in judgment of us, Ooh. or we're sitting in judgment of scripture if we mm -hmm. never change any of our beliefs our yeah. entire life. And we see this actually in Acts with, with Apollos. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. So he's confronted with like, no, you're, this is the baptism you're believing in or you're talking, you're, you're teaching. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, he, he changes and yeah, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a good example. So anything else there on heresy and era? I, I would just say that heresy, uh, and I've done this, boy, I can remember in my 20s. Spewed heresy? It, no, not, <laughs> well, maybe, I, not intentionally. But, um, so but heresy, heresy is a word that we throw around too easily, I believe. Man, mm. we ought to hold to truth and believe truth. But we just call people heretics, people who just of a different denomination, good gospel believers that we've got some big differences with. We just use that term too much. I think it ought to be lightly used lightly because, in essence, if you're calling someone a heretic, you're calling them an unbeliever. Yeah. Um, so what's the difference between intentional and unintentional false teaching? I, I do think there is the possibility of someone who, who has learned something that's heretical and even teaches it, and so therefore be like an unintentional heresy. Um, but I also think there is intentional error or intentional heresy. Well, I and feel like they can be completely convinced of themselves to not realize. I, I think someone could be taught wrong and not know it. I, I think of Martin Luther when I when I think of that. Here is a man, he's, uh, he's taught certain doctrines and he believes those and embraces those. And But when he begins to wrestle with scripture, scripture captures his conscience and he begins to let the scripture reign in that. The question is again, and I think that what we ought to be doing as leaders and disciple makers is, is just constantly pushing people to let the word be their filter instead of mm -hmm. even a system of theology to yeah. be their filter. And, and there's a big difference between the unintentional and the intentional. Jude talks about the mm -hmm. intentional. I mean, he warns about them. I mean, they are constantly doing these things. They're clouds without water. They're trees that are twice dead. I mean, but they are intentionally undermining the truth of the gospel. Paul says the same thing in Galatians. And so uh, those are the people we, we really ought to take, even though I don't know that Paul, Apollos was in, in error at that point just because he didn't know. Exactly. But when yeah. he was confronted with it, he changed. So we ought to be taking people to the side who are in error or in heresy, trying to encourage them. And, and hopefully they turn. And then the people who are intentional, those are the ones we need to be protecting, the people we love from and yeah. our sheep from and all of that. Another angle on this, I just thought of this while you were saying that, is that Paul writes to Timothy that, in essence, congregants are going to be seeking to hear the false teaching. Yeah. And so it's not simply just a matter of false teachers, 
but the you know us sitting in the pews and wanting to have just the messages that we that, hear. yeah that mm-hmm. they're tickling our ears so there is certainly uh, a weight upon even us as hearers to like you said earlier to to study this to know it to guard our hearts and to know that um, you know we're either standing with this or against it and um, in some ways getting our own judgment if that's what we're seeking after. Mm-hmm. So I know our next category and our final category of... I'm um, sure there are more. I'm sure there are more, <laughs> but our final. Yeah. Um, we might be in error with this being the last category, but... It's unintentional. <laughs> it's unintentional, <laughs> um, but let's get specific. And <laughs> uh, with specific versus thematic. False teaching. False teaching. Mm-hmm. The prosperity gospel is pretty specific. Like, I think when we say prosperity gospel, we're going to mean a very specific, like, we are deliberately teaching that God's desire is for you to be healthy, wealthy, and he wants nothing but all the good stuff for you. And so that's very specific and overt, whereas kind of um, thematic would be we're constantly talking about how um, God gave the Ten Commandments not as laws or rules, but Mm. to bless you. Yeah. Or... The ten blessings. Yeah. So, so that would to me would be like, okay, we're not overtly, specifically saying things that are false. We're just kind of moving things in categories and big picture ideas that still give off the same feeling. People walk away, and maybe caught and taught are uh, other words to help think about that. Yeah. You know. Um, But yeah, I mean, as far as the questions. I guess just talking about the differences, I, I would think, yeah, that's a that's to me the primary difference. You you're going to hear some things specifically that are taught wrong, and you're you're going to probably know it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's harder and it's more dangerous when it's more broad, kind of woven in there, and then you don't really know it. You just kind of walk away with a feeling of what Christianity, what the Bible actually yeah. says. So it it would be more of just kind of a vibe that you get. And so you listen to some people, and I'm not going to name names, but I think of, of one person in particular. And it's like they're always they're always leading. You walk away questioning Scripture is, is mm. what you do. Mm. And this person has the answers, but he, he asks all the hard questions. And then in the end, it's like, okay, it's almost like, did God really say? Did God really say? And... I think that the person is by and large orthodox, but it undermines confidence in the hmm. scripture when you walk, you just get that vibe when you when you walk away from that. And as we talk about some of these specific false teachings, I think we will kind of integrate some of these categories yeah. in there because some of these are more prone to one or the other. Yeah. Right. Um, I think a common theme as well is if I walk away feeling super good about myself mm, all the time yes. on Sunday mornings and I'm like, okay, like God loves me and, and he does, you know, it's true. But if that's always what I'm coming away with and if I'm never convicted or if I never hear a hard to swallow truth, then I would say that's a an error, if not possibly dancing with heresy, um, depending on the actual teaching yeah. um, theme yeah. of the church. For sure. So let's, let's talk about some of these different um, false teachings. And I know I noted out just a few kind of names or categories, whatever, of, of these. And um, 
Matt, I know if you don't mind, I guess having come from, as you said, more of a moralism, legalistic kind of feeling of a background, would yeah. you just start us out talking about that, um, I guess, false teaching or, yeah. Yeah, the, the thing with it is, it is so right in so many ways. As a matter of fact, the end goal is right. It is righteousness. Yeah. It is to do right, and it is to please God. I mean, the whole point of it is to ultimately please God. So that's where it just it gets so tricky because in, in an effort to please God, several things happen. One of the things that happens is you go beyond what the Scripture says mm. and you draw lines that the Scripture doesn't draw in order sometimes with the good intent of not getting near sin. So I'm going to draw this line here so I don't even get close to sin over here. Well, that might be a wisdom right. issue, and that might be a personal preference mm. or even a personal conviction. Mm -hmm. But the issue happens is when you draw that line and then you make that line applicable to everyone else. Mm -hmm. And you begin binding people's consciences. And so what happens is you have these different sets of standards that you're constantly trying to measure up to that mm. you can never measure up to. And Christianity is, if you're not careful, reduced to rule-keeping in order to please God. So essentially what's going to happen is salvation is going to be by grace through faith alone and Jesus alone. The salvation part is absolutely right. That legalism doesn't interrupt or doesn't affect salvation. But then after that, there's just this, um, this constant, well, God saved me here. Now it's kind of up to me to please him now. It's yeah. up to me to keep his favor in a sense. And they wouldn't even say that you would lose your salvation. I think of what Paul says in Galatians 3.1. Oh foolish Galatians, who is with mm -hmm. you? And, and then he says that having begun in the spirit, are you going to be made perfect or mature by the flesh? And that's what they they believed in Jesus by faith. And now you have these false teachers coming in and saying, you need to be circumcised. You need to keep the law. Yeah. You need to yeah. do this if you're going to be mature and complete. Mm -hmm. And it ultimately rests our righteousness and our sanctification righteousness on something other than Jesus. Do you think that kind of a thematic feeling going along with that, even though they're specifically saying that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone, do you think the feeling that people end up getting is, I've got to do these works to be saved? I don't... Not to be saved, but I'll tell you what I've seen happen is I see people who are constantly in doubt of their salvation. Yeah. Because they think if I was a Christian, I wouldn't battle this. If I was a Christian, I still, I would be able to do these things. So while I, very few people who I know from that background would, would think that they can do anything to be saved, I think that it just creates a lot of uncertainty yeah. in their in their Christianity, which ultimately is a tool of Satan to keep Christians from being mature and and complete. And I saw so many people wrestle with their salvation, and it was usually because what would happen is there'd be a sermon, fifteen reasons, uh, fifteen ways to know that you're saved, and it's like, well, I got you know, three of those week, <laughs> this week. Ten of those don't apply to me, yeah. and it, it's just it's. It's a miserable way to live yeah. when it comes down mm. to it. And so the, the onus is ultimately put on the person. And so the question that you would ask in that is, who receives the glory? Do we think that we're commending ourselves to God in some way? Mm. And that will, when we get down and we talk about how to spot it, I think that's one of the things that you look for. Who is this ultimately pointing to, me or Christ? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It definitely puts a lot of weight on self. Um, moralism does because it's 
it's our own actions that kind of teach how much God loves us or his approval or mm-hmm. acceptance to us. So then it, it puts a lot of weight on us to uphold certain standards that we were never meant or are able to uphold. Um, so I think it's a, it's very dangerous because I mean, where's the teaching of God's grace? You know, like you were saying, it's, it's diminished. His forgiveness is diminished. Um, it's, it's by God's grace alone that we are saved. My actions can't uphold yeah. squat. Essentially what we're doing is whether you're Baptist or, or Presbyterian or non-denominational, whatever, we've embraced a form of penance yep. and Bible believers who are thinking, I've got to do this to make it up to God instead of just believing the gospel mm-hmm. that we can be immediately restored to fellowship. And I lived a large portion of my Christian life that way. Yeah. And it was it was hard at times. I feel like if we were to really be taught our in if this teaching or this thought process was to teach more diligently on our own sin, our nature and personal sin, then there wouldn't be as much of a struggle because we would start to see mm. God's forgiveness and grace because it would be necessary yeah. since we are so mm. deprived. We know we bring nothing to the right. equation. Yeah. Right. What is it? Edwards said, you, you bring nothing, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin, sin that, that makes it necessary. necessary yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just to clarify on this and then we can move to the next one. We're not saying that we shouldn't grow in sanctification. Um, right. Our, we, we are to be transformed, um, internally by the spirit of God. And then as Romans 12 transitions, um, so that's what's happening in us. Mm -hmm. God is working in us. He's working in our heart. His grace, his mercy, his forgiveness is flowing in such a way that those, those increase or changes in our morality are going to happen. It's just us looking at how that happens and how we think we're contributing to that Mm -hmm. or how we have to pay God back. So Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of maybe help. I just want to make sure nobody thinks we're, I we're lawless. Church, we work from approval. We work from yes. approval, not for approval. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. because a, a moralist teaching um, would prov- provoke me to be like a self-righteous prick. You know, that's what is going to create in me. Or you're constantly defeated. Or I'm constantly defeated. Yeah, One or the well, other. Yes. It depends on how I'm doing that day. Yeah. So I'm naming and claiming that we're done with that one and we'll move <laughs> on to the prosperity gospel. <laughs> or would that be word faith? Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I think that's word faith. All right. So we're going to word faith. Let's, let's talk about that one. <laughs> you named it and claimed it. I, I named it and claimed it. it. So word, word faith movement um, is just a, 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 a teaching that in essence is uh, overemphasizing, you mentioned a few episodes, the already not yet. Mm-hmm. And we, the, the kingdom of God has already come. Jesus said the kingdom of God is here. And, and yet the kingdom of God is not complete. It is not totally mm-hmm. uh, completed. So um, it, the word faith movement takes the things that, that are talked about as being futuristic glorifications and perfection and puts those in the category of already. And so we are already here. We already have the authority. We already are able to claim everything in the name of Jesus, and it is going to be done. I'll, I'll they, say that's what They would it is. say that we have um, authority over all bad things mm-hmm. and then assume that all bad things come from Satan. Yeah, because, yeah, God's not going to do that. Because he's bad, you know? Yeah, not, not God, <laughs> Satan. Satan. Yeah. I was talking about Satan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in short, they teach that God obeys 
people's words in the here and now and that he is somewhat ruled by that yeah i I mean i saw someone uh three or four weeks ago who essentially said um god wants to do your will his will is to do your will yeah and i just what i wow what a total twisting of of the scripture when jesus says in john 14 if you abide in me and my words about in you, you ask yeah. what you will and it will be done. Mm-hmm. Jesus is giving us the basis for things being done, like his words, the things that he's told us, not what we can visualize and not what we can come up with. And if we're abiding in him, then our will is to do his will. So then that's 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 the prerequisite of the qualification for what we're asking. Yeah. yeah. We're we're gonna we're only gonna ask for things that are ultimately gonna glorify his name. And this is the category that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of a, cause the word faith and prosperity kind of go together because if, if what I want is what God wants, then of course God's going to want me to be wealthy and for me to always be in health and not be sick. And if Checks I have, in the mail and yeah, and, jobs if, I, and, and I, if jobs. I have the authority mm-hmm. over it, then I'm going to, you know, claim those things. And I just said for years, it was, it just seemed like we, we were, made to believe that our prayers kind of twist God's arm yeah. and like, okay, I can, I can fast enough or pray enough and he's going to do what I want him to do. And that's really assuming, I mean, honestly, to me, this category starts to flirt with that heresy line mm-hmm. yeah, uh, because can, for, sure. for somebody to say God's will is to do my will or God's will is to do your, that is like, yeah, yeah. That, that. I mean, that's the exact opposite of what <laughs> yes. Jesus said in the yeah. garden and the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> now, I think unintentional plays a part in that, you know, mm-hmm. because somebody is saying what they've been taught. And that's where I lived for years. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that's where even when we got out of that, my wife and I were just had a bunch of discussions and were heartbroken over. We knew people, tons of people there that we love that it was like, this is where they're at. And this mm-hmm. is painful. And you know, I don't know if there's anything to be done or can be done about it, but it is. It's it's heartbreaking. It, it teaches that God is eager to show, like shower worshipers with these earthly goods. Yeah. Which I mean, if you read scripture at all, <laughs> <laughs> at all, what what does it, I mean? The lack of the teaching of suffering is huge in this yeah, category. Yeah. So so therein lies okay. What are some of the dangers? Like what is that's a danger of this? Yes. Is there's not a good understanding of Biblical suffering. So I think the issue that word, faith, and prosperity gospel makes a lot of times is, uh, believe it or not, they live in the Old Testament. Yes. And they look at the way that Mm -hmm. God interacted with Israel, his chosen people at that point. God was showing his glory to the nations by blessing Israel. But you get to the New Testament and you realize that God is working differently in the church than he did in Israel. And that, that suffering that brings glory and him being with his people, as he says in Hebrews 13, um, don't don't covet. I've said that I yeah. will be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will be enough. You don't need these other things. And so it's kind of ironic that they kind of live in a, a New Testament. Let's pray in Jesus name. But they're they confuse the way that God worked with Israel with the way that he works with the church, just about yeah. knocking everything over there. Primarily the the physical blessings, the physical manifestations in the Old Testament are spiritual 
realities in the New Testament. And so whenever they look at things like the promised land and uh, there's a temple or um, yeah, so many other things like God blesses um, Jacob and everyone with, with material mm-hmm. stuff. And yet um, it's just not there in the New Testament. And one, one of the things this does is it sets people up to think that I'm not going to have to suffer in this life. And then when they do, yes. um, there's, there's a big issue with God in general, mm-hmm. uh, very likely just to turn tail and run. And, and, and uh, because this uh, foundation was laid of this false teaching, yeah. it kind of tends to people to think of God and the gospel as karma. Yes. And um, so if I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to, if I've prayed enough and I'm twisting his arm, then good things are going to happen. Yeah. And if bad things are happening, then it must mean that I've not. I have enough faith. Yeah, or I haven't done yeah. enough. Ironically, is another form of legalism in and of yes. itself. Yes. It, it goes back to it being rooted in, yep. mm-hmm. in me. To, to me, I have found out the, the big issue of my Christian life. When Paul talked about fighting the good fight of faith, and there is an element of struggle in in yeah. our in our lives. Sure. And for me, the the struggle is to stay dependent on Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and so many of these other things take us away from that. It makes it dependent on us instead of Him. Mm-hmm. And so faith, the the good fight of faith, when we're fighting it, isn't naming and claiming something. It's staying dependent on Christ and yeah. letting Him work His will through us and enable us to do what we need to do. Mm-hmm. A couple of ways I know of to spot this. Um, so there's a tendency, not a tendency, it's the, it's the main point of it within the word faith movement is to uh, basically, I don't, I feel like it's this, and maybe this is too harsh, is to idolize the gifts of the spirit yeah. mm-hmm. uh, over and above God, Christ. Um, and so you'll definitely hear more of an emphasis on the gifts of the spirit than the cross of Christ. Um, one of the and just and just just hit me and going back, but one of the big issues with word faith movement is that they don't see that salvation is the greatest possible miracle there is, mm-hmm. and there are all these other miracles that are mm-hmm. amazing and wonderful, mm-hmm. and not realizing that God had to come to Earth in the form of human. There, there's more effort by God for the miracle mm-hmm. of salvation than any other miracle. Even the teaching or the absence of this teaching of God disciplining us um, and helping us learn through really hard times. Like I know I've grown more spiritually through rock bottom than I have in the really great times. I mean, and God uses those times to discipline, to mold, to shape, to help us grow and learn. And I feel like this name it and claim it, prosperity gospel, karma gospel, whatever you want to call it. They're all little different, but all are a lot of times intertwined. Yeah. Um, it, it really lacks, you know, suffering and God's discipline. Why does God send sickness? Well, there are several reasons for that, the scripture tells us. But for them, I actually had somebody tell me God would never allow or make one of his children sick. Yeah. And I'm like, well, go read 1 Corinthians 11. You got... Christians who are partying at the Lord's table. And he says, for this reason, there are some of you who are sick. Um, And so, Hmm. yeah, it's just a fundamental misunderstanding when it comes, when it comes to that, that God is going to do what is best for his children, just like a parent would not withhold discipline from a child or say, don't touch that stove, wouldn't warn them, wouldn't discipline them in any way. God's going to do what's ultimately best for his children, even if that includes some 
constructive, good pain for us right. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because what's best for his children is becoming like Christ. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the misunderstanding. It places so many um, significance is significance is, is <laughs> try yeah, again, it, try again. <laughs> it makes the here and now much more important yeah. by saying we shouldn't be sick now. God doesn't want that for his kid now. God wants you to be uh, wealthy now. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, it, it misplaces the, the, it overemphasizes the already and doesn't bring into account the not yet. Yeah. We are not yet perfect. We will be one day. One day, no, uh, no tear shed, no sickness, yeah. no disease. Uh, and that's one day it's not yet. And that's one, one reason to keep that already not yet. Yeah. Um, some of the irony, I think that's just kind of funny for some people who might would teach this, um, or believe this is that they still go to the doctor for checkups, you know? Well, in they, some, <laughs> in some extreme belief systems of this, they won't. Well, I would say the majority probably still do. <laughs> yeah. Let's let me yeah. just go on with my. Or the irony. pastor wears glasses, or yeah. you know, things of that nature. <laughs> like, You're like, what, what does that irony, mean? Just the irony, like yeah. you still yeah. go to the dentist. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, so I guess one other category here, and I don't know how much time we have or what else y- y'all have, but um, one I think that is probably more mainstream for the the current evangelical church in America is. Um, I just, I call this just powerless instructions. And I think this kind of goes, we, we kind of hit on this a minute ago, I think, but just that the Bible is used more as a Ted talk. Yeah. And, um, it's just, it's just, um, that one? No. No. Was that a Ted talk? It's a song. Never mind. Oh, (laughs) our younger audience may be able to know. No (laughs) offense guys. (laughs) It's also a lot of times sermons are presented as, you know, here's some cultural stats, some norms of society, some newfound realization of humanity. And then the, there's like a biblical antidote uh, to these things. Um, and so the Bible, and we touched on this on the biblical or the, the, the scripture podcast, but just in putting it in the realm of like teaching that's kind of off base. Um, yeah, I just want to throw out there for us to talk a little bit about the difference between scripture being powerful and transformative and being God's word and scripture being taught in a way that really doesn't uh, bring any of that power to the table. Yeah. It goes back to episode three, I think, that y'all had, the one where we talked about scripture. Yeah. And um, essentially what it is, it makes the scripture an instruction book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, this is how you have better relationships, how you have a better job, how you work within your job, and it is part of that. But ultimately, it either does one or two things. It's going to put the weight on you to accomplish that, and what you're talking about being powerless, which is going to make things frustrating when people don't react the way that we mm-hmm. hope that they should. And then ultimately, it's going to steal glory from God if we're the ones who are going to be able to do it. I think of this category is like life hacks, like 10 life hacks for life. Mm and like how to fix it and like we said in scripture um and the scripture podcast an instruction book or like 10 life hacks for this um like our lives to live biblically isn't going to work because it's not going to get to the heart of the issue it's not going to get to our sin it's Mm -hmm. not going to change our hearts so 
It's just like a bunch of life hacks where the guy just yeah. has his hands in the front, like you could have just done it like this, you know? You're, yeah, I, <laughs> I love that guy. I, I was thinking of that. It, it's almost dealing with surface issues instead of heart. Yes, issues. exactly. Yeah. We don't get down to it, and we're not yeah. careful. And, and I know, to be fair, I know very, very few churches that would just outright do that but what happens is it gets mixed in and i've done this before i've done this in my preaching and i've, yeah. I've seen it done it just gets it just gets mixed in <laughs> if we're not careful and it's just the wrong emphasis yeah. well this would be an emphasis and as far as like how to spot it maybe a red flag where if your pastor is only giving practical tips you know where he's not necessarily, and I say he or, you know, it could be within ourselves, us teaching ourselves, um, only looking for practical tips rather than, like, the reason why behind it. You know, some of those deeper theological things, mm -hmm. and then the outflow would be those practical things from mm -hmm. it. So it would be like the practical things first, and this is all it. Yeah. So. And I, I think also in this, a lot of times, well, Scripture is not presented as the powerful Word of God. Uh, God is not made powerful by us being told, this is just how you do it. God is made powerful by realizing that I'm in desperate need, and He has provided the answer. Yeah. And so whenever, yes, marriage is talked about or whatever, um, whenever God is not made glorious and powerful and practical, pragmatics are mm -hmm. put forth, then we lose all need of Christ. Yeah. yeah. I think in each one of these that we looked at, and let's just talk about false teaching in general or uh, heresy, just whatever it is, if we can go to this question is, what is, what is the main emphasis in yeah. this? What is this drawing me to? And, and Paul says in Ephesians 4 that this is ultimately going to bring us to where we're joined to Christ. I yeah. mean, mm -hmm. the good teaching is going to bring us to where we're joined to Christ. So if you hear somebody talking about the Holy Spirit more than Jesus, we're out of balance. So we're talking about good tips more than Jesus, we're out of balance. So is it man-centered or is it pulling us to Christ? Right. And so many, so many elements of false teaching, like the ones that we just talked in these areas, it's going to end up... It purports to glorify God, but it's going to ultimately be comes back to self. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I guess that's why I use the term thematic because we can specifically say this is about God, but then all the other things in there actually be about ourselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that's kind of the hard thing to listen out for. So to kind of bring this home, I guess bring just a home. question. I know this is like a duh kind of question, but <laughs> should we be on guard for ourselves and others? Biblically, like what? Duh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Paul told Timothy. Yeah. He, uh, he, he told him, pay attention to your doctrine. Yeah. Um, so definitely for leaders, and then leaders are tasked with doing that for the people that they lead. Pastors are tasked with doing that for the people they lead. So Yeah, yeah. like First John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. I think the Bible is very clear. Um, through multiple passages that we need to be on guard for ourselves and our families and even other believers as well. It's a very actually hateful thing to just allow our brothers and sisters in Christ to believe wrong things. And, and, and I would and say, yeah, and I would say on the converse of that, we don't want other people allowing us to believe exactly. wrong things. So not, yeah, I mean, it's, it's both. And that kind of leads us into what are some helpful things 
for guarding ourselves. Like you're talking about biblical relationships are one of those things for other people to help me and for me to hopefully help other people to do that. We've already kind of touched on, obviously we have to be grounded in scripture to be biblical in the first place. We have to Bible. Um, Well, Paul says, uh, gosh, in Acts 17, he says, uh, well, Paul didn't write it. Luke. Anyway, he's recording it. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Yeah. Um, The the Bereans. Yeah. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So there's this whole, they're hearing something and they're wanting to go like, let me go see if this is right or not. Uh, So one of the other dangers or one of the ways that we can spot these dangers and avoid them and guard against them I think is just by looking at what God intends for pastors to be. So the person sitting in the pew is supposed to be the Berean comparing to, with the scripture to see if this is so. But Ephesians 4 says that God gave the pastor teacher along with other gifts, but specifically pastor teacher to keep people from being tossed about with every wind of doctrine. Yeah. And so if you want to avoid theological whiplash all the time, then find uh, a pastor in a church that is word-driven, not fad-driven, not constantly trying to find the latest and greatest thing that are going to bring people in Mm -hmm. because ultimately what you win people with is what you're going to keep them with. (laughs) And so if it is the Word of God preached in power Hmm. and the text being allowed to say that what the text says, then that is going to be far more effective and it's going to keep you more theologically sound for sure. Another guard is church history. we have to be suspicious of new doctrines. Mm. If we read scripture and come up with something like, oh, this is amazing, mm-hmm. and then we start doing research and go, how has no one ever in the last 2,000 years come up with this? Yeah. I'm a flipping genius. Yeah. And yeah, so. Maybe you're a. Maybe you're a heretic. Genius that's <laughs> <in> <laughs> now, granted, our, 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 our understanding is continually developing as individuals yeah. and as the church. Yeah. Um, but with a 2,000-year-plus history, if we check uh, what we believe or what we're hearing with the majority of church history, now there's some crazy things in church history, yeah. but we're, we're looking at the things that have been passed down as truth yeah. throughout church history and evaluating is there's a good There's nothing way. new under the sun. You're yeah. mm-hmm. going to probably run into, if you think it's new, it's probably already been shown to be false in the past. Somebody came up with it and was shown to be false. Exactly. I think another way to guard, as we were talking about how we're prone to believe wrongly in the beginning and our finite understandings and our reliant on self, um, would be to pray. Obviously, just knowing that... Um, as a final thing. As know, a final <laughs> thing. This is the last option. Uh, just it comes kidding. Down to this. If it comes down to this, you know, you can, I guess. I'm just kidding. No, guys, let's pray um, because we know that God enlightens our hearts. Um, so he must give us discernment of truth. Um, so, yeah, pray that he would give us wisdom. Pray that he would help us to see things rightly. Even when going to scripture to read, even mm-hmm. just praying like real quick, hey, God, like open mm-hmm. my eyes. Mm-hmm. Help me to understand this. Give mm-hmm. me wisdom and discernment. Um, and even praying that going into church as well. Like, hey, God, help me understand this. Help mm-hmm. me to discern if this is right or not and compare it to your scriptures. So those are promises we can actually claim. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. And then also pray that he would protect us from error. Mm hmm. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, hopefully some of this discussion has been helpful uh, to someone. It's certainly been 
um, I think encouraging to me and uh, helpful to remind me that I believe falsely. And um, if you have any questions, uh, things you would like to uh, submit, topics, ideas, you can send any of that to theodoxpodcast at gmail.com or our social media pages. Um, otherwise, have a great night. Take care. Claiming this is going to be our most listened to podcast. What do you think? You think so? I think so. Also, I love how we were hazing Matt for not allowing us to haze each other. You know? <laughs> for not hazing. <laughs> yeah, for not you gotta hazing. Uh-huh. You haze yeah. for not hazing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs>